Hello and welcome to Paranormal or What podcast with me, your host, Michaela Ford. Hello, how are you all, paranormal people? I've just had a bit of a shock today because I found out that the app that I use for recording my podcast is going to stop in June. So if anybody's got any recommendations of how they um, record successfully for their podcast, um, please let me know because I'm slightly freaking out. I'm not the most technical person and I'm very comfortable with how I record my podcast, but I'm being forced to make it better, which is great, but quite scary at the same time for a technical like me. So, how has your week been? I'll tell you what as well, something really weird happened in my kitchen. If you've been following the podcast and the Facebook page for Paranormal or What podcast, you'll have seen that I've set up a camera in my kitchen because really weird things constantly keep happening there. One thing happened last week and it was so annoying. Um, We were all sat in the living room eating our lunch last weekend and a lid fell off the side from um, the kitchen counter onto the floor and it couldn't have fallen off because it was on top of the cheese container. And so I ran into the kitchen thinking, well, it's okay because I've recorded it on my uh, camera. And of course it hadn't. And it's motion activated. It catches literally everything. And then it hadn't caught this. So I don't know why that happened. So then this morning I had a jot incident. If you've um, listened to some of the really early uh, Paranormal or What podcast episodes, you will know that I'm very, very interested in jots. Uh, A jot is just one of those things. It's where your keys go missing and they're not in the place that you've looked 10 times and then they turn up in the place that you've looked 10 times. And so this morning, a really freaky one happened. My husband is an avid vapor and he couldn't find his vaping juice. So anyway, he went outside. He found an old bottle with a tiny bit in. So he went outside to have a puff on his vapor. And I was making some toast in the kitchen and I'd cleaned the whole side of the kitchen and all that was there was the um, breadboard and the butter and the knife. And I turned to go to the kettle and picked it up to go to the tap to fill it up. And there, right on the edge of the counter, in full view with nothing around it, was his vaping juice. And it had literally not been there one second before. And when I shouted out to him and he came in, he said, but I didn't put it on there. He said, and I did look on there. And I said, well, I just looked at it just a second before, after I'd cleaned the whole surface. And it just literally appeared there as I turned to the kettle. So what's going on there? Some weird dimension jumping going on. Or is somebody playing a trick on me? Or is it that the brain blocks things out? I have wondered about this as well. Does your brain not see things which are there 
and you kind of discount it and then you only notice it's there when you actually need it. I don't know, there's all sorts of theories abounding. Anyway, this episode is going to be really good. I was talking to a very nice gentleman called Russell, who's had a lot of UFO and ET experiences. So he's coming up on the show in a few minutes. And I also found, while looking through my phone, one of... uh, one of my recordings that I don't think I ever put on an episode where I had a very, very strange occurrence while I was in the house cleaning my crystals and something very strange happened. So I'll play that next and see what you think. And I'll see you out the other side after we've had a chat to Russell. So take it away. Hi everyone. So it's Saturday, Coronation Day, the 6th of May 2023, and it is 18.05. I just had a very, very strange thing happen to me in my house. I was dusting my um, crystals, actually, in my bedroom, dusting the bedroom in general, Um, when I heard a big crackle, um, as if a TV was coming on. And it wasn't from in my room. It sounded like it was coming from down the stairs. So I'm in the upstairs bedroom. And the voice, in a very kind of witchy, haggard kind of voice, said, and I, I don't know what the first word was, but it was something like, Woman, open your eyes. And so I went out of the bedroom and my eldest son is in the bedroom next door. So I thought he was doing his VR. And I said, did you just say something? He said, no, I've just been doing my exercises. And he wasn't playing anything. He went, I don't know what you're talking about. So then I went down, well, I called down to my youngest son downstairs and said, are you doing something down there? Because sometimes he calls out when he's on the computer and shouts and stuff. And he said, no. And I said, is the TV on? And he said, no. I said, are you sure that you haven't called out or or kind of been doing silly voices or anything like that? And he said, no, I haven't done anything. So I'm left thinking, what was that? (laughs) I mean, I don't know if it's paranormal but I really don't know what it is. It was really loud, like um, a crackly television. Um, And it it sounded like the downstairs television had come on really loudly. But my youngest son's in the living room and he said it wasn't on at all. Um, If it is a message to me, I don't understand what it is at all. I don't know what I need to open my eyes to. Um, so I don't know really, it's a little bit creepy and because you don't have it recorded or anything you start to think maybe there's some perfectly rational explanation for it and I've just misinterpreted what happened which may be the case but I just wanted to tell you all because it was really freaky anybody got any idea what, what it might have been? Cheers.
So I'm going to ask you, actually, first of all, was was the contact with the ETs the first time that you became interested in the paranormal or have you always been interested? No, I've always I've always had an interest. It's just since you started. Sorry. It has now. <laughs> We've kind of gone into it backwards, but never mind. We're just going to go with the fur. <laughs> Um, no, I, I, I spoke to spirits when I was a kid. My great aunt was a medium. Oh. Um, and I had some uh, psychic ability that kind of, I think it came and went really. Is uh, you know, I had a lot of sides to me, but that, that was certainly one side. And then, you know, as a, um, as a, I think uh, I, I had a, a kind of chaotic childhood. So it's not as though I was really able to uh, look at any abilities that I had and develop them. Because uh, I was, um, my mother was uh, the manager of the bands that became the Moody Blues. So. I almost died of dysentery when I was about 18 months old because we were moving around so, so much. And um, so I was in the back of a tour van with John Bonham from Led Zeppelin, some of the early members of the Moody Blues and um, moving from place to place. And it wasn't until I was in my teens, really, that I started to study this stuff. But I, I did study seriously things of an esoteric nature from the time I was 12 or 13. And I was practicing high magic and Kundalini yoga um, from quite an early age. But most, you know, mostly from my teen years. Uh, and during that period, I also saw... Um, I, our car was followed by a UFO on the way to school. Um, I went to public school and the car was followed by um, a UFO, and, which was weirdly, uh, it was following us in the uh, exact area that I ended up moving to from Birmingham, which is where I'm from. Right. And um, it was only just up the road from the spot that my mother moved to. So literally about half a mile away we from where she moved to 20 years later, um, we were followed by a UFO. And what did it look yeah. like? It was a, a huge ball of light that was probably the size of, of a car. Um, and it was moving parallel to the car um, and I've experienced that many times since then uh, during the highlight period of ET contact I would open the front door and there'd be orbs flying above the rooftops um, or if I went on a train the orbs would be traveling next to the train or if I was in a car they it would be seen by the other occupants of the car as well, following, following behind the car, um, going for a walk. Uh, like there would be orbs. So I went through this period of uh, intense orb activity around me. Um, and, yeah, I've certainly experienced it with, particularly in cars. I've had some 
quite intense encounters with orbs appearing and sort of um, doing 180 degree turns, 90 degree turns. So I made a, um, a report to Birmingham UFO Group about one of those experiences where I, uh, uh, during the experience, projected myself um, in a form of remote viewing inside the object. And uh, the weird thing was, is, is it felt like it was huge. And, and on the outside, it was only three or four feet across. So, um, yeah, I've kind of feel like they're floating portals. I've had that impression many times. And what sort of colours are they? <clears throat> Most of the orbs that I've experienced have been either white or orange. Um, the orange ones came at the beginning, and I, I've always been interested in what the colours of orbs mean and tried to get to the bottom of it. And the only thing that I've really got a sense of by doing lots of cross-referencing, -ref which is my big thing. I, I like to cross-reference as many experiences as possible. It's my university training. Is that uh, orange orbs always be, uh, appear at the beginning of contact, where there is almost like a, it's almost like an initiation tag. So uh, if, if you're about to be, I thought of it as being, if you're about to be maybe recruited into one of their programs or similar, you, you start by seeing orange orbs and then you will see other things later. But there's, um, mostly I've seen orange and white, I've seen blue orbs. Um, I think that's a red orb uh, a couple of times. I think that's about it. Mm. Yeah. That is interesting. Um, the orange orbs, though, were always the most... Orange orbs were always the most dramatic. Uh, I've got a video on YouTube of um, an incident where I was sitting in my living room and I think I was actually watching a video on uh, UFOs and it was New Year's Eve and it was either 2010 or 2011 and uh, I got a telepathic uh, message in my mind. Um, that's what I'm calling it now. All I, at the time, all I, all I could say was, I heard my own voice out loud as if my uh, cranium was being used as an amplifier, uh, yeah. almost like, like bone induction technology. And it used my, uh, this voice used my phrases the way I speak and said, grab a camera, go outside, you're going to see some UFOs. So I did. I'd just been gifted this uh, musician's camera with two condenser mics on it. Uh, the video quality was very poor, um, but it was a new product. And I went out, and as I opened the door, there were two orange orbs floating down the road at, at rooftop level. And because it was New Year's Eve, there were uh, people in the streets, drunk, sort of walking down the road going, that kind of thing. Um, and I, I froze up. I was too embarrassed to film them. 
And it's a, it's a really weird phenomenon. I don't have it any, I don't have it in quite the same way anymore, but uh, I suddenly felt like I would be mocked if I filmed this. So I allowed these orbs to pass by and watch them as they got to the end of the road. Then they did a 90 degree turn and flew over the head of two police officers at rooftop height and nobody saw them. I was going to ask no. you, did, didn't anyone see them? Nobody saw them, which really shocked me it, because it felt, I think, now I think of it now, I think unconsciously I felt that what I was seeing was a reality that only I could access. And that I think I felt that the, the others wouldn't be able to see them. So I kind of ran round the corner. I ran down to the bottom of the road, uh, which is like 60 yards, ran round the corner, and they weren't there. So I kind of scanned the skies wildly, ran through the local square. Um, Shrewsbury isn't a huge town, but it's a big enough town centre. So I ran hundreds of yards. And finally, uh, I got down to a uh, bridge that crosses the River Severn. It's a low bridge. It's only about 10 or 12 feet above the water, maybe, or 15 feet, something like that. And, um, and I looked around, couldn't see an orange orb. And so I'd heard of, uh, I'd been watching Stephen Greer's videos about CE5, Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind. Yeah. And uh, I decided to try and contact them mentally so i did that and i felt a rush of kundalini energy up my spine and my eyes were closed for about 10 seconds and when i opened them opposite me uh, about six or eight feet slightly above my position um, and but only about and sort of 30 feet above the water was an orange orb and i uh, i was incredibly shocked and kind of exhilarated at the same time and i started filming with my uh, with this little video camera and i couldn't see anything in the screen so uh, it didn't feel like i was videoing it thought it looked like uh it didn't have the capacity to video it because it was at night, mm. about sort of 11, 11.30 at night. And I thought it had failed. So I actually only filmed about 10 seconds. And again, I got the same feeling of uh, if somebody comes, I'm going to be ridiculed. So I finished the video and walked home kind of quite excited, but thinking that I'm no way i've caught this on video when i got back uh the video had worked and i could see not only an orange orb but small lights around the orb forming a kind of geometrical shape and the the orb had been about 40 or 50 feet away from me slightly elevated from my position and i showed it to an artist friend 
And he said, oh, that's, that's really interesting. Do you mind if I kind of pl play with this and put, put, put it through filters? I said, yeah, sure. Go ahead. And he sent me the following day a lightened version of it and said, you're going to be shocked at what you see. So I said, okay. And I looked at it and my face was in front of the UFO. So it appears, uh, if you imagine uh, the viewer here or you or the viewer is the orb, I'm facing forward filming like that. However, when you see the video, it appears that I'm the other way around doing a selfie. Wow. And the face is in front of it. Now, I know what direction I was facing. I was facing towards Shrewsbury Abbey. And you see in the background Shrewsbury Abbey. However, you also see my face uh, in front in front of the orb as if I'm doing a selfie, whereas I know for a fact that I wasn't. I was filming forward like that and looking at the screen. So the video itself is paranormal. As far as I'm concerned, the video is paranormal because I know what happened. I know what way I was facing. And I also know that it, I can't have done it by accident to get the only other option is that there was another orb behind me and I filmed that <clears throat> without realizing it. However, that's not possible because when I, uh, I'm, when I uh, sort of swing the camera around like this, um, if you see the video, uh, you see Shrewsbury Abbey. And the reason why I was doing it is I was kind of, Kind of trying to find a light source because I was seeing nothing in the screen. Yeah, I ended up having to upload a um, a a, uh, a fix for it through a download um, for low light conditions. But you can see Shrewsbury Abbey there, so I do know which way I was facing. It's not possible I was doing a selfie with an orb behind me. Um, so. After I experienced that phenomenon, um, I started to experience marks on my body when I woke up. Um, and uh, they ranged from scoop marks that were uh, rectangular and about an inch long, where I knew that I hadn't injured myself and there was no blood on the sheets, no blood on the clothes I'd been wearing. Um, and uh, the uh, wound appeared to be cauterized, so it was pre-healed. Um, and then I got puncture marks. Uh, and, you know, I, I'm quite st uh, weird about insects, so I don't, um, I can't handle even one mosquito being, <laughs> being in, in, my, in my flat, so I I know that there was no uh, mosquitoes, for example, to cause it, but there were three uh, triangulated marks on my hip in close um, connection like that. Uh, then I would wake up with violent, really violent bruises that would go from bright red to black, purple, 
blue. Um, and I used to do Kung Fu, so I'm aware what a punch will do to your arm, uh, for example, and I know how it feels. However, there was absolutely no sensation whatsoever when I woke up with these bruises. I've still got photos of all this stuff. Yeah. So it was almost like they were, again, it was almost like there was some sense of them being pre-healed. All of my marks had a pre-healed quality, except for the puncture marks on my hip, which were painful. Uh, and I had a friend who was a nurse and sent her photos of these marks, and she said, I have no idea what these are. I've never seen anything like them. So then I started reaching out to organizations and uh, all numbers of different organizations from um, Amash in the UK to uh, American ET experience organizations. And they were all pretty much saying to me, this is a negative phenomenon. This is uh, the greys are, you know, the, it will be the greys abducting you and they're very you know, naughty, naughty beings who are here on um agendas to use our dna to you know and i got filled with all this stuff yeah um and uh i was quite affected by it i was starting to feel like i was in a another reality and uh it, i found it quite alarming and i'm somebody who likes to rationalize um i've always been into psychology uh i trained in counseling when I was in my 20s and I'm, I'm a very rational uh, Virgo actually if you're into astrology I kind of analyze things a lot so I thought I can't believe this there is that I've been targeted I, I can't quite get my head around this and um, I got very fearful and panicky and carried on reaching out looking for answers and researching and came across Mary Rodwell and had a conversation with her. And she and um, a lady who was running an organization in France kind of convinced me that although there are traumatic aspects to it, it's a sort of consciousness-based experience that is not, that, that there is no particularly negative agenda from the ETs. And the interesting thing is, is that as soon as I took that on board, the nature of the experiences started to change. Oh. And so what sort of age were you around this time? This is in my 40s. This is uh, going back probably 15 years or something. Yeah. Gosh. And um, did you get the the feeling that when these um initially the orbs when they were attracted to you do you feel like that was random <clears throat> or do you feel like you were sort of chosen or targeted as it were i do feel as though uh, i do feel as though there's uh a you know there are reasons why um I certainly think that, you know, a, a lot of people have this idea that you, you, you have a contract in between lives. I'm sure you're familiar with that concept. Yeah. 
to be taken. And I think there is an aspect of that in it. Um, one, one thing I would say is that when I was um, having the experience in the car of the orange or changing direction, doing a 180 degree flip, and then a 90 degree flip to join the side of the car, um, and then was traveling with the car at the same speed. Uh, I, um, I, I did get the sense of uh, uh, being scanned, like my consciousness was being scanned and they decided I might be of interest. That was the feeling that I got at the time. And I, I've had this sense of being scanned um, quite a few times. Yeah. There was, a, there was one, one or two times where it almost felt like I was a barcode and a presence would be there and it was almost like I was being literally just scanned in seconds. Yeah, because the next the next sort of thing that popped into my head was, did you feel um, any sort of connection to them or emotional connection or or like, well, you just sort of answered it, really. Are you um, just a person of interest and that's as far as it goes? <clears throat> yeah, I do feel a sense of connection. Um... I've always been something of an outsider. And the interesting thing that, you know, because I worked, I worked for Mary Rodwell's organization as a therapist to experiences. And the interesting thing is there is usually something different about ET experiences. There is some unusual um, feature, some unusual character feature or personality feature or quality like an energetic quality that makes them um, not your average person in the street it's very often a sensitivity I mean I know that um, uh, a lot of musicians and artists a disproportionate number of musicians and artists have contacts so you get people like Grant Cameron talking about this musician connection with strangely enough the moody blues were followed um, on their american tour and one of them it's either one or two of them saw grays so I, i've kind of got a connection with a band who were followed around by the grays at one point um so i do think there's something different and i, I always Felt a difference in most people. I, I do have some psychic ability. I'm a musician. Um, and uh, so I also feel that they have a, a kind of, th there's a couple of experiences. One is where I was, I was opposite the ETs 12 feet away. And they were kind of, there was a sense of a telepathic, um, message of you, your family while they while they were looking at me, and I've had this feeling many times. And as a C fiver uh, using emotional telepathy and knowing that 
connection is not from the mind, but from the heart. I kind of listen to things like that. So my feelings tell me that, that there is a, they're projecting this idea of, of me being family. Whether that's uniquely me or not, I, I couldn't say, you know, in terms of, is it the whole planet? Is it just a few incarnate starseed souls? I couldn't really comment on that. Um, mm. I don't try to overanalyze and come up with a sort of grand cosmology because I think people that do that are making a, a, a mistake um, and pretending to know something that they don't. But um, I am different. And uh, at this, uh, so they are interested in, in people who, who have a different quality to other people. The people who are stepping outside of the box and can can have, can be quite heart sensitive because the one thing that that we have in 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 the world at the moment is this lack of empathy um, or, or certainly a, a potential crisis due to um, like a schism between uh, people who are deeply narcissistic and people who uh, favor empathy and connection. Yeah. And it's one of the three, the three uh, things that ETs repeat to ET experiences over and over again is you're destroying the planet. You, you're at risk of nuclear war. You need to spiritually evolve. Um, so that the reason why they're here is that we're at this hinge point of human evolution and i think that artists musicians and people with open hearts and open minds uh, who don't identify with um, the structure of society that we live live in are far more likely uh, to be contacted than anyone else whether or not they're star seeds or not <laughs> It's like if you identify too much with the rigid programmed thinking um, and closed downness that society is pushing us towards, <clears throat> then you're less likely to be contacted. Yeah. Do you, I wonder whether people um, such as yourself actually vibrate at a different frequency? or whether it is that they can sort of see inside your mind and see what your ethos is, what you're about. It'd be fascinating to know. We definitely can. I remember um, uh, I, I, have ways of, um, I have ways of being able to ask them things. And I, w I once asked them during a UFO uh, experience, um, I said, why are you why are you flying over Shrewsbury right now? What are you doing? And I, I got, I can't explain how, but I got this sense of them monitoring everybody, everybody's consciousness and their, the state of their emotional awareness and their kind of spiritual state as well, by which I mean, um, Maybe the reason why they connect with certain kinds of people uh, is that they're more um, visible in other dimensions. 
um, but they seem to monitor uh, consciousness. They're monitoring lots of things. They're monitoring the state of the planet. They probably are the ones that are taking cattle uh, and mutilating them. They might be sampling. That's my belief. Um, they've also been seen in whales taking sheep. So it's a number of different animals that are being affected. They're being seen in the south of France collecting lavender. Perhaps they're making little lavender posies to decorate their UFOs with, you know. <laughs> um, and they've got the skulls of dead sheep and cows on their, on their walls around the edge. It's a little museum, <laughs> a little museum for the ETs. <laughs> um, but then they've collected in, I don't know if you know about Hestelen in Norway. It's, it's a big centre for uh, um, uh, UFO activity. Uh, but there's been a university team there for a and they've been studying this phenomenon called the Hestelen phenomenon. And it's basically mostly orbs, including orange orbs. And they've, caught, they've got some incredible uh, video footage, which they've analyzed scientifically uh, of uh, orange orbs traveling at 30,000 miles an hour. Wow. And they're still studying exactly what these things are. And they haven't come to any definite conclusion. Um, there are a lot of ufologists that don't think it's got anything to do with ufos but but those ufologists are also ignoring the fact that the most common uh, type of ufo manifestation is a plasma orb they're definitely made of plasma i mean i've been i've been uh as little as 30 feet away from these orbs and they're it's like looking at arc welding or, or like the sun, it's like looking into the sun. Yeah. They're made of plasma, some some form of plasma. So they they are certainly ET um, because for me they've been associated with telepathy. Uh, go outside, uh, you you're about to see a UFO, and I go out and see a plasma orb. So uh, that is the most common thing to see at the moment in terms of ufos they're not flying saucers although i have seen flying saucers i've seen three in a row and i've also seen flying pyramids and flying beings inside orbs with their with their arms stuck out like this wow <laughs> i've seen i've seen flying yeah and that was like um it's almost re reminded me at the time of ancient Egyptian and ancient Sumerian symbol of a winged orb, because that's what it looked like yeah. at first from hundreds of yards away. But I saw them multiple times and once within six feet. And it was a small gray inside an orb, uh, like a very thin gray sitting cross-legged inside an orb with, with his hands with his arms protruding from this semi-transparent orb. So you could just about see his body inside, but it wasn't crystal clear. And he was waving his arms to propel forward. I mean, wow. it's embarrassing to even tell the story because it seems so completely, I'm sorry about my noise. It seems so completely ridiculous. I feel like an idiot even telling the story, but it's completely true. It reminds um, me of um, 
the daytime. Idea of that. Sorry? It was in the daytime around five in the afternoon. Wow. Gosh, because, yeah. you know, when you're, um, I don't know why this image just popped into my head. Um, when you're sort of swimming in a, a swimming pool and you're sort of on holiday, you're not doing lengths like you do normally. You're just sort of faffing around. One of my favourite things to do is to sort of bunch up into a ball and just kind of use my hands as sort of rudders or propellers to sort of yeah. turn around and things. And it just reminded me of that. Yeah, yeah. What I found uh, kind of interesting, though, is because it was really obvious that they that he had an interest in me. That it wasn't an accident that this being was there, and I'd seen him before. So, because I'm saying him, because it felt like a him. Um, but I'd seen him around before um, at a distance of maybe fifty yards, and and it looked like a from a distance, it looked like um, an orb with wings. I knew it wasn't a bird, um, but I didn't know what it was yet. But when he flew over my head, when I was on my roof terrace, where I used to do C5, I had it all kind of, uh, it's like a wrought iron roof terrace with lighting all around it. So um, if you looked opposite it from the river, it looked like a Bollywood UFO landing pad, you know. <laughs> um, but he flew over my head in the afternoon and he only briefly glanced over at me. And the, the strange thing is people say to me, oh my gosh, you, I couldn't handle that. I'd be freaked out. It didn't feel strange. I don't, don't ask me why it didn't freak me out in the slightest. I was excited. I, that's all I can say. But he kind of casually looked over at me, sort of like like that, uh, and then just he was his eyes were fixated on something hundreds of yards in the future, in in ahead of him, and he just flew over my head. I filmed this, and I got a load of static. Uh, I was really really disappointed. I thought I was going to have the best footage ever shot, yeah. the only real ET footage ever. And I've been in that in that position many times, and failed to get the footage. Although I have sold some footage to a Japanese TV company, but it doesn't, you know, I don't think it's very good footage personally. But um, so I didn't manage to get him. Did do you um, do you think that they've got the ability to make it so that other people can't see them, and only the yes. people they want to can see them? Yes, and I think they can also interfere with technology really easily. So oh, yeah. the fact that my face is in front of uh, the camera in the video of the orange orb that looks like I'm doing a selfie, that didn't happen. It did not happen. Um, being able to interfere with videos so that they don't come out, they can do that easily. And... I also, around the same period, probably within a couple of weeks of that, apart from seeing a flying pyramid that was lit up like a Christmas tree, which I'll, I'll come back to that in a second because it's really, it's actually really important. Um, I also saw flying eyes. 
eyes that look like, um, if you imagine the eye of Sauron mm. turned on its head, so the it's actually the oval is pointing upwards. Yeah. There were two of those. And they were composed of blue flame with an orange center, like an orange pupil. Wow. Uh, that was like a slit pupil, like a cat's pupil. Um, so those flew over, you know, probably eight or 10 feet over my head, probably about the level of the rooftop or slightly under. And I was on the roof terrace. Um, and once again, I filmed that then and failed to get anything. It came out as static and also the, uh, I think the, the camera defaulted to uh, infinite view instead of man instead of autofocus as well, but it didn't come out. Anyway, there's um, the, uh, I mentioned the pyramid and the interesting thing about that is that the pyramid didn't look real. It looked like a hologram. And this kind of ties in with one of the, uh, one of the members of the uh, Consciousness and Contact Research Institute that I wrote for has uh, created a theory called the virtual reality hypoth hypothesis. And his idea is that um, the ETs, who aren't really ETs, they're extra dimensional, as, as virtually everybody's starting to believe now in terms of uh, serious ufologists, are able to uh, see your memories, um, scan your memories, and, and use them to create holographic images. And it's also the idea that um, the form that the ETs take is a co-created form that is partly how the ETs view themselves, partly how the collective consciousness, the collective um, consciousness field that covers the whole of humanity, um, how that uh, perceives uh, other realities and how an individual consciousness perceives what an ET might be. And so they utilize a sort of composite uh, to create a form which is then presented to you, which might explain why there are so many different forms or it might not. Yeah, because there is a, it, it does make you wonder whether they are, yeah, like you say, are they created so that the human mind can cope with seeing them? Um, and is that done with lots of different um, types of um, ETs or, yeah, or are they different species, which is... Exactly. I'm, uh, I'm not still completely convinced they're different species, but... I, I'm sort of 50-50 um, on that one. I'm 50-50. But the interesting thing anyway about this pyramid was um, I had once spoken to an ET experiencer who had said, oh, I once experienced a UFO as a pyramid. 
uh, an ET craft that was a pyramid and it was lit up and it floated past the end of my, my garden. And I'm kind of listening to it thinking, this is fantasy. This is, you're making this up. You're attention seeking. That was very judgmental. Um, I wouldn't do that now, but that's, that's how I was at the time. And it is my belief that the reason why I saw a pyramid was because of that. They were always making a, fun of you. Yeah. It's like, or, ah, or she, how about this? <laughs> or in a sense, showing me that they can appear as anything that they wish. They can scan memories. Mm. And I, I was also familiar with the virtual the virtual experience. Sorry, it's called the virtual experience hypothesis, I think. Anyway, uh, uh, Dr. Joseph Burks, who's on the committee, sort of has this um, concept of... Uh, the ETs effectively being able to create holographic experiences um, by scanning memory. And in one of his experiences, he saw a plane from the, he either heard, heard uh, a 1940s plane pass by or saw it, um, but it, it, it was completely anomalous and it certainly wasn't what it appeared to be. This, this, that was his story. I can't remember all of it. But I think that the point is, is that um, nothing is quite what it seems with the ETs. Um, and yet, for example, uh, they, they have shown serious care towards me. And when I'm about to experience something um, traumatic, um, they appear for me as a plasma cross about 15 feet above my head. And uh, I get one uh, mini orb that's the size of a tennis ball shoots to the side and another one shoots upwards and it just forms a cross that hangs like a plasma trail in the air for a few seconds. Um, so they appear to uh, be monitoring individuals lives and I've, I've when i was a, a a therapist to experiences i heard of several stories where the et's projected images of um car crashes that were happening just before somebody turned a corner and would have crashed right into uh, something and potentially lose their life and they they said that they were sure it was ETs because the quality the quality had the same it was the same qualities they had in other ET ET contacts experiences. So yeah. yeah, so they do seem to show care about people, even though you get taken, you maybe get DNA sampling, maybe you're in a genetic program, maybe it's um maybe it's um as I tend to think, it's like an ARC program. I call it the ARC program, which is where they're collecting samples of all kinds of things as a database in case we totally screw up. Yeah. And they can't sample it. Well, it makes sense. It does make you wonder if, if you know, if people, well, people, I say that loosely, um, are watching us. Um, how much do they interfere? So they might warn you about something bad, but then do they 
help you afterwards to deal with it or it seems to be quite interesting there doesn't seem to be a rhyme or rhythm mm -hmm. to to what they warn you about or who who they warn or um because I know that there are people who've been warned about things like crashes and stuff, but yet when other big things happen in their life, um, they haven't been warned. So why were they warned about this, but not warned about that? Um, mm. It just makes your mind boggle. Yeah, yeah. It is strange. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, there is no rhyme or reason to it. Yeah. But there's, uh, there's a guy called Preston Dennett. And he wrote a book on ET healings. And certainly hundreds and hundreds of people um, claim to have been healed by ETs very dramatically, to have had visitations while they were ill, and to have suddenly had uh, complete physical transformations overnight, or yeah. almost overnight. So um, I only i've never experienced that in terms of uh physical issues but i kind of had it with an emotional issue that i was having and i i was in a traumatic long distance relationship where we had tried to live together and the reason why we'd split up was because of well that's that's actually something that we should probably talk about but uh, i'd had dramatic contact with her dead husband when I moved over there, uh, including telepathic mediumship communication. And he started to appear in sort of poltergeist style um, interactions with the 3D environments, including banging on walls, appearing as a big ball of plasma, uh, of what looked like plasma light that lit up the entire room. Uh, hearing him walk down the stairs um, and uh, all kinds of things like that. So we split up uh, because uh, the atmosphere became intolerable there. I'd waited for her for two and a half years because as soon as we connected, her husband started to die uh, of a rare form of cancer. And um, she'd been the first girl I ever kissed and I found her online. We started a relationship immediately because she was just in the point of breaking up with her husband and almost immediately her husband starts to die and then eventually dies and then starts haunting the place after I've waited for two years to, to be with her. And I could imitate his voice. Uh, he had a very peculiar little raspy voice because uh, I speak reasonable French. And she said, yes, he sounds exactly like that. I was able to find lost objects that nobody else could find. But in seconds, I knew he would show me where they were in mental images, just like you would expect in mediumship, for example. So that was my big mediumship experience in, in France. But when I came back, I was very upset and I waited for her for four years to try and reestablish a relationship and it failed and i didn't know what to do i was getting very upset about it because i kind of um was still very attached to her and we were just seeing each other three or four times a year basically and i was feeling miserable and thinking about it 
and I suddenly heard this a sound like the Doctor Who theme tune. It was like, whoa, 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 whoa. It's that sort of, it was almost like a didgeridoo, which is the sound that uh, Dr. Stephen Greer describes is sometimes associated with UFOs arriving. But I didn't know that at the time, so that hasn't influenced me. But it was also like a very low-pitched version of the Billy Meyer things, which I think, you know, I think he's a fake, uh, Billy Meyer. But he used, uh, I think he used a synth oscillator, which is a particular musical keyboard. Uh, and it sounded like a low synth oscillator, very, very distinctive sound anyway, and it was quite loud. Um, and then there was silence. And then there were two notes, the same note, uh, played on a flute. And it was, um, I immediately went over, I was mind blown, but I went straight over to my guitar and found the notes and it was C. And um, I flung open the windows expecting to see a, a saucer because it sounded like something had landed. And, and that it was the bosun's whistle, like you'd get in Star Trek. It sounded exactly like uh, something like that. Uh, but there was nothing there. And uh, so I closed the, the curtains again. And um, at that point, a few moments later, the air began to vibrate. And it, it was I could actually feel the air vibrating, or it felt like I could feel it. And then I started to hear this very, very high-pitched sound um, that was, it was like the whole room was alive with sound and vibration. And I then experienced something that felt like I was standing there kind of astonished thinking what, what's going on? Because I'd never, I'd never experienced anything like this before, you know, um, even uh, many years before when I smoked uh, smoked dope or you know, <laughs> took magic mushrooms. And I, I certainly haven't done anything like that for a very long time. But it was not like anything I'd ever experienced before. And I was standing there and I felt a feeling like Alka-Seltzer fizzing through the soles of my feet, up through my calves, up through my thighs, and then through the whole of my body and out through the top of my head. And afterwards, I felt this incredible sense of calmness. Wow. And I experienced that twice within about two months of each other. Two experiences, they all went through exactly the same um, procedure, process. The synth oscillator stroke didgeridoo sound then two flute sounds and then the room vibrating then the alka-seltzer through my body and what was happening do you think i was being given some form of healing uh, i also sometimes called it an attunement because i it did sort of shift my consciousness a little bit but it was a physical process. It wasn't, it wasn't, um, that's what I want to say about a lot of my experiences is that there's been a physical dimension to it, whether it's the scoop marks or 
actually seeing the ETs in person, being able to video UFOs sometimes when they've allowed it. Um, there's always been a physical dimension for me, which has helped me to really believe it um, and, and place importance on it because we live in a 3D reality. So it's really kind of made it important in my life. But um, it was a form of healing for sure that I experienced and it felt very, very physical. It wasn't yeah. a subtle it wasn't a subtle thing. It was like something, it was like a real process that was happening in my body. It wasn't, uh, oh, my chakras suddenly felt a lot better. It wasn't, you know, I felt like a joystick tickling the end of my toe. It was, it was a physical process. It was a very real feeling. Yeah. And can yeah. you, um, I was just thinking about um, the idea of being scanned, actually. I wonder if, if they're uh, obviously much more evolved and advanced than we are, if our brains are more like sort of rud rudimentary computers to them, so they can basically just copy and paste whatever's in our heads, um, almost like we do on a computer, maybe. Yeah, possibly, possibly. Um... I'm not I'm not quite sure how it works, but w one of the things that I do believe is um, is that uh, we aren't fully incarnate in this reality. Uh, and you get this in uh, you get this concept in mediumship and also to some extent in the ET experience of world. So there's this idea that uh, we're living concurrent lives elsewhere. And that certainly if you if you accept the idea of the etheric body and the astral body, that there are progressively finer vibratory rates at which you start to enter into multiple realities, depending upon perhaps your own capacity. Um, and uh, so you're actually not you're not you're not ever fully here anyway. And I think maybe somebody's experience of how how much they know of the whole of themselves is almost about shifting awareness out of the three D reality into something bigger, which I, I think in some of the more intense ET experiences, people start to grasp something like that. But just just as a just as um, a kind of humorous note on that uh, i once had a um a plasma orb pass by and 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 it had changed direction and was moving off and i heard a male voice in my head saying hello captain captain Kirk. which i, I, I was laughing because it was like listening to something from star trek or something like that that's really funny do you know, I once had, and I'm not claiming to have had any experience with ETs at all, um, and I firmly believe that my town, Chichester, is devoid and very uninteresting uh, to ETs because the amount of hours I've stood outside and looked over and tried to see stuff, I just think I mustn't be very interesting. But I did have a very odd experience once. I was stood in my bedroom 
and um, I was just putting some washing away. And then I had this experience of like radio static in my head. Um, mm. And then a voice which was in my head. It's the only way I can describe it. It was in my head, but I could hear it. But I didn't hear it through my ears. I heard it in my head. And it just said, hello. I can still remember the tone. Amazing. And that was it. That was it. Mm. And I just, and I was looking around my bedroom and I, I because I always respond to things, whether they I'm very open-minded. And I, I was saying, hello, hello, hello. <laughs> and nobody is answered me back. But Is it me you're looking for? <laughs> <laughs> it was. Um, unless, unless I was just, yeah. Well, they obviously weren't looking for me because nobody replied. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is interesting. It was the most bizarre experience I've ever had because... It it was such a bizarre experience to have a voice in your head. It wasn't my mind, you know. Mm, my mind exactly sounds like me. It it was I I heard it, but not through my ears. It was just so bizarre. Yes, I mean that's exactly what my experience was like. But in my case, it was my voice. But it sounded like it was in my skull. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very strange, isn't it? It is. So, but then, yes, nature of reality is not what we think. It's not. I wonder, and I know I'm being a bit flippant here, that might explain why I've been walking around feeling like I'm in a dream for all these decades. Um, <laughs> it would be nice if it was that, and not just me being a fluffy-headed person. Um, um, my, uh, my next thing that I want to ask is, can you... Um, share with us any recollections of being taken and looked at and prodded. Can you remember anything about those experiences? Well, for whatever reason, um, I have not been allowed to remember being those experiences. I've not been allowed to remember them. So, uh, this might seem strange to you, considering that I'm basically claiming to have been taken. But the reason why I'm claiming that is because I know those marks were not um, generated by me. They're not what happened. And they were associated with dreams of being on craft. Mm -hmm. So I dreamt a lot about being on craft and being shown, uh, shown a, a, kind of given a tour and then shown the propulsion system and explained uh, how it worked and things of that nature. And I remember really odd little details. It's all very disjointed in my mind. Um, so I remember on one instance, is it was almost like I was being sanitized. I was put through this tube and the, inside the tube was a gel and the gel didn't go into my mouth or nose. It was almost like it sort of repelled from my mouth and nose, but it kind of sanitized me. And then I came out the other end and then I was walking off down the corridor. Uh -huh. It's very strange. So that I, all I remember is walking around being shown these rounded rooms, uh, no sharp corners, everything's white and kind of there's a glow inside the craft that comes from the walls. And 
uh, I was shown this central area where there was a series of kind of tubes that were glowing and they were talking to me about the propulsion propulsion and I don't remember any of it and then other dreams I uh, had sexual experiences with ETs but they weren't all the same uh, they uh, my experience primarily was with the greys but I also dreamed of other beings um, one of them was a tall um, uh, shaved head or bald, bald essentially, uh, uh, being that looked like a female Krishna. Oh, wow. Tall and kind of a, a pale blue. And we had this amazing sex that was uh, deeply spiritual, telepathic, uh, very emotional, totally in sync. We could read, read each other's thoughts and yet also very sexual and animalistic. So it's like every aspect of sex combined into one. And it was a very profound experience. So I dreamt of her a couple of times. And then I also dreamt of uh, beings that would shift from one celebrity to another. It's like they were trying to find what turned me on. <laughs> uh, I remember one of them was Madonna. Oh, my goodness. Because I'm not really attracted to Madonna, but it kind of went through a cycle of different celebrity beings. And during that period, I was hypersexualized. So uh, I was just constantly horny. Constantly. Nothing made any difference. Absolutely nothing made a difference to it. And um, I contacted other ET experiences and asked them, I said, Are you, have you ever experienced becoming hypersexual during ET experiences? And they said, yes, yes, I've got it right now. Um, so a lot of them had also experienced this same phenomenon. And it seems like... Part of the ET um, uh, project that they have with people is to understand aspects of human behavior, one of them being sexuality. But also it appears that perhaps there is possibly some form of breeding program. I know that's quite a, a widespread um, belief, isn't it? It is. Um, and the reason being is that there are quite a few uh, of us who have these experiences where we have sexual encounters. I mean, my personal experiences haven't included, for example, being presented with hybrid children. I've never, I've never had that, but I know people who have. Mm. Um, is this just a narrative? Is this some form? Because you know, uh, from a psychological point of view, maybe you could analyze all of these experiences and see them as almost like parables. You know, perhaps there is a sort of hidden meaning to all of this stuff um, about the need to create a, a purer, a purer human race. Um, perhaps there is something that I haven't seen yet that is um, of significance there. 
but the fact that everybody is having one very similar experiences even when they don't know about this narrative and haven't really engaged or read anything about ets have never been interested in it and yet they have the same experience there is something of significance there for sure yeah and do you get the feeling that it, it is the greys that you've had experiences with <clears throat> A lot of my experiences have been with the greys and, and unlike many out there, I don't see them negatively. In fact, um, it is a real shame to me. I think it's, a, um, it's awful, but this uh, free experience of study that was done by the organisation that's now called Consciousness and Contact Research Institute. And if you want to go to the link, it's agreaterreality.com. Um, but they have done piles of research into uh, people's experiences, thousands of people worldwide. And only 7% uh, of experiences describe their experiences as genuinely negative. Um, there's a slightly different variant. There's a variations uh, of positivity between the different forms which is kind of what you'd expect, really. That, like, if you took a cross-section of the British public and got them to interact with Somalians, you know, Ukrainians, Scottish people, Irish, and, you know, they would all have a... There'd be a bias towards certain races. So that's not really surprising. But... Um, uh, overall, even the grey and the reptilian... Uh, experiences that people have uh, is overall positive. It's overwhelmingly like there, there's a, a section of neither positive nor negative. That, that there are a fair few people in that, but overall it's positive. But the whole ET experience uh, phenomena follows a particular pattern, which is it starts with shock, which is what. Um, uh, Ray Hernandez and, and the other members in this organization called ontological shock, which is the shock of recognizing that the reality that you've been living with, the idea of a reality you've been living with, is completely wrong. And that in itself uh, freaks the hell out of you. And then you're kind of pinning the blame on this being and, and have a negative association. So it starts off with you uh, kind of blaming, in a sense, these beings for um, take, uh, pulling the rug from under your feet. Yeah. And then, and then you're unstable. And then you go through this process with them where you start to see that they actually have an interest, a genuine interest, and even show care towards you and towards the human race. And then people start to shift their awareness and they start to have trust in the ETs. And a lot of them get to the point where they have more trust in the ETs than they do human beings. Yeah. And I'm at that point. I, I, I reached that point a few years ago. So, I, you know, for example, I've been followed around by the military I've had men, men in black inside my house while I was hiding. 
I've, I've been pursued by uh, military operatives or uh, monitored by them at the very least. And uh, the ETs, by contrast, have shown an interest in my life. And although it's been traumatic for me to have them in my life, I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah. And I know most people feel that way. Not all, but a lot. Yeah. Do you feel that, um, I mean, I don't know, there's, there's so much to this whole subject and I've spoken to many people and many people I've spoken to have, have all got a different take on it. But um, do you think there is any truth to the, I mean, a lot of people believe in conspiracy theories, um, but do you believe in the idea that maybe there are extraterrestrials working with people like the US military on things, or do you think that's just a load of bunkum? I think it's rubbish. Uh, um, the main issue that I have is, is um, I believe the ETs are extra dimensional. I believe that they're also masters of this dimension so that they can appear in material form, in physical form. It's a strange paradox, isn't it, that uh, almost all ufologists are now agreeing that they're multidimensional. And yet, at the same time, um, the Senate is dealing with um, the possibility of actual tra uh, crash retrieval programs and physical specimens inside uh, military bases. Uh, I think they can take material form, but it doesn't ring true for me, having seen, for example... During my CE5 um, experiences, I would be standing in, on my roof terrace in Shrewsbury um, doing my version of CE5 that uh, I now teach. And um, I would have a, a big orb of light, sometimes really huge orb of light, appear probably uh, a couple of hundred yards above the house so quite low in relative terms mm. minutes later and it would just hover there and, and minutes later a jet i would hear a jet coming and uh because of the delayed sound it would actually appear very quickly uh, and it would fly right over the point where this orb was but before it arrived the orb would just phase out. And then after the jet had passed at high speed, uh, obviously appearing to needing to get somewhere very fast, the orb would reappear, split into two. One orb would go that way, the other orb would go that way. And I've also seen um, military helicopters following orbs and I've seen the orb disappear uh, from in front of the helicopter and reappear behind the helicopter and start and start following the military. 
<laughs> which always made me laugh. I thought, uh, you know, I actually clapped when that happened once. I just, uh, I loved it. So that you know, they're not at all happy with the uh, the ETs. How can they be doing business with them? Mm. How can they be inside the bases working with them if they're trying to shoot them down? If they're trying to, you know, and, and then you go into this concept of, oh yeah, but it's a different, it's a different species, it's a, it's a different subclass of greys. Um, somebody here is wrong. That has to be the case. Uh, there are there are people saying that there are greys and reptilians and mantids working with the um, with the military. It doesn't ring true to what happens above ground in the real world. It doesn't match. So, uh, you know, making uh, an assessment based on everything I know, uh, I've seen the greys in person. They are glowing, they're glowing beings when they appeared to me. They didn't look physically able to support an existence on Earth. They're incredibly thin. They, they look like a cross between a ghost and a physical form. You can't see through them, yet they have a quality of physicality that is not physical like you and I. It's almost like from another physics. It's uh, almost like solid, solidified plasma or something. It's, it's some new state of matter that doesn't correspond to anything here. Yeah. And yet they've also touched me. I've, I've been touched by the ETs. They went through this whole period with me of waking me up by wiggling my toes and then doing the same thing with my wife. They, they, they used to visit us and kind of play around in bed um, in a non-sexual, consensual yeah. kind of way. <laughs> oh, well, wow. Um, so uh, they're, they're childlike. They're, my experience of them is they're... I used to say that they're like a cross between a, a, a beautiful, innocent child and a mystical master. That was, that's the closest I can get to my experience. That's what they feel like. And I do not believe the, the beings that I have seen work in bases with the military, especially the fact that they're chasing them. And because I've got contact and other ET experiences have got, get, have got contact, they get harassed. They get uh, uh, monitored with helicopters flying over their houses. I had a friend who's a journalist who lived me and he, he phoned me up once and said, do you know there's a helicopter hovering over your house and has been for the past 20 minutes? And I said, what? And I went out into the streets and saw it and I thought, what the hell is this? So I start walking and the helicopter follows me very slowly and it's hovering really low. It's, it's only sort of probably 50 to 100 meters over the house. And it followed me and I got to the park in Shrewsbury near where I lived and decided to hide behind a tree to see what happened. So it moved the helicopter a little in order to be able to see me. Then I moved further behind the tree so the helicopter moved a tiny bit. And, I, and this went on three or four times. And then the helicopter flew out to the bandstand where they do these sort of like, you know, old-fashioned um, brass band music, which is where I used to do my C5 ET contact, that exact spot. And I think they know that because they actually, uh, 
monitored me at that time and I had people um, uh, swimming across the, uh, the river in um, black suits at three in the morning to monitor me and, and shine torches at me underneath a park bench amongst other bizarre things. But the helicopter flew to that point, flew round in a circle three times and then shot off as fast as the helicopter possibly could. And it was like a message to me saying, yeah, we know what you do. How strange. Gosh. Yeah. yeah, I'll tell you what never rang true for me. And, um, you know, you one of the first things you learn about when you're sort of new to the subject, I suppose, is the crash at Roswell and all those sorts of things. Um, and then there's supposed to be, um, you know, lots of crashed spacecraft in Mexico and places like that. And but I just think if they're so far ahead of us, they wouldn't be crashing. Why would they be crashing? That's the sort of thing that we do, not beings that are highly evolved and can manipulate gravity and all these sorts of things. They wouldn't be crashing. So I it don't is know. strange. It is strange, and it's a bit like um, I remember a conversation that I had with um, uh, a friend who was. He used to work with Dr. Stephen Greer, and he was on, on, on his director's team in America. I think he was uh, head of the Californian branch of CE5. And he, I was talking to him about the scoop marks and things of that nature. And I said, well, it, it's got to be DNA testing. And he said, uh, it doesn't make any sense, Russell. The, the problem with that is you wouldn't need a sample of the size that you're showing me. You wouldn't need it. He said... I'll tell you what I think it is. I think it is, um, <clears throat> it's like a batch that you've had ET contact. It's just to remind you that it's real. So uh, maybe it is that uh, they allow some forms of uh, manifestation that they've created to crash. Mm, maybe maybe. reasons why, uh, maybe it's like a tech donation I mean, it's possible, it is possible that it's um, that our incredibly crude technology like radar has caused, caused their craft to crash, you know, almost like a stone, stone Age man being able to kill a modern soldier just with a, a wooden club. Yeah. You know, um, it's possible. Have you ever considered having regressive hypnosis? To remember your experiences uh yeah that's interesting because I, I i still do think of doing that and i think i will get around to doing that at some point particularly as i know people and i was actually married to a hypnotherapist for a while and, and yet didn't do it and we did regressions with experiences uh, and i did have some training myself in hypnotherapy um, and regressions but um yeah, I think on some level, even if you have no conscious recollection and you were asleep, uh, as Mary Rodwell says, uh, some part of your being has a sense of, of what has happened. As, uh, your higher self or whatever it happens to be. Um, so it is difficult because I was uh, unconscious while, while it was going on, but I think it would be possible to get some information out of it. But I've always, I, I keep asking the ETs, just take me while I'm conscious. 
All I want from you is to give me conscious experiences. And they keep doing that. So I've seen them in person many times uh, and had lot of thousands of UFO sightings of all different kinds of ET manifestations, I prefer to call them, because, like, what's a ball of light? It's, is it a craft? I don't know. It seems to be a lot more than that. Um, but I want, a, I want a live experience. I want to be taken consciously right now. <laughs> while, I'm, while I'm on live TV. <laughs> if you disappear, I'll know it's true. <laughs> Where's he gone? <laughs> Beam me up, Scotty. Yeah, well, yeah. That would be something, wouldn't it? Mm, totally. Wow. Well, I've kept you quite a long time now and it feels like five minutes because it's just been so interesting um yeah but thank you you're for good. sparing the time to speak to me oh you're very welcome anytime it's been fantastic and have you got any any sort of things or facebook pages or books or anything at all that you'd like to plug before you before you go i suppose i could i uh, suppose that i could plug my um my etsy shop which is where I'm doing most of my business. And I actually teach ET contacts there as well. I have a, I have a training that I offer. Oh. And um, that's simply called Aslan, Aslan Psychic Guidance, as in Aslan the Lion. Yeah. And um, I'm trying to focus there on working with ET experiences and helping people to um, connect to the ETs, but I also do psychic readings. I work with people who've experienced narcissistic abuse and all kinds of things like that. So, um, yeah, please visit my Etsy shop. That's fantastic. It's really fascinating. And just before I go, have you got um, any advice that you could give to um, a normal, unspecial, not chosen pleb like me um, to maybe contact the ETs? Yes. What, what could I do? <laughs> <laughs> they're not coming to Chichester. <laughs> uh, they're, well, they're in other dimensions, so um, they're as close to you as your jugular vein. Um, the, the simple answer to ET contact is to remember that there is only one being in the universe. There's only one consciousness in the universe. Every great mystical tradition has said this. There is this belief that we're separate. We aren't. We're all part of one single consciousness field, which you can imagine as being one being. And telepathy, the ability to connect to others mentally, is in fact not mental, it's emotional. So if you start with the genuine loving intent and open your heart, and in, in my case, I'll actually open my, my arms, which kind of seems like a cliche, but it's, it's the opening, it's the acts of opening, um, because essentially we're all walking portals to other dimensions. And these beings are literally in other uh, dimensions, in the, in the higher astral realms, just like spirits are, they're in the, the astral realms. And, um, the difference is that they can appear in the flesh. But if you connect from your heart, 
And then imagine that you're uh, rising from above your body and looking down at your body, seeing the street that you're living, the, the bigger area that you're living in, and you're going out into the sky and you can see the whole of England, then the whole of Great Britain, and then the whole of the planet. And then open your open your arms out in outer space and say, I'm here, please come. And basically you draw people to your, you draw the beings to your location um, and you do it with a, a positive intent. Uh, it has to be when you're in a very positive, um, good state because this opens you to um, many possibilities of connecting with all kinds of beings. So you have to be operating from a high, high love, high trust, high energy um, state. And if you, if you do this as if you're calling for the person that you truly love more than life itself, if you put all of your heart into it and visualize visualize them literally appearing in whatever form you care to and uh, ask them in all sincerity and visualize them coming, they will come. It, sometimes it can take as little as two minutes if you're in the right frame of mind. Right, well, that's brilliant advice. Thank you. I will try that. I was once told by a medium that although I think I'm very open-minded and I, I am open to the possibility of anything. Um, he said that I'm um, I'm closed, even though I've got apparently got quite a lot of ability, I'm closed psychically because I'm afraid, which is interesting because I don't feel like I'm afraid. But um, so I'll, I'll try, I'll visualise what you self, said. It's like a self-trust trust, self -trust issue to me. Yeah. Whatever we, you know, if we love ourselves enough, then we love other people. If we can trust ourselves enough, we trust other people. It always starts with what, whatever's going on inside of you. So to connect to the ETs in love, we also have to. It's like a healing process. There's a lifestyle for CE5, which is forgiveness of others and self-forgiveness. Because anything that disconnects you from uh, other people and from the practice of open empathy, which is the very basis of psychic ability, is empathy and uh, it's emotional in nature. So anything that cuts you off in that way will also limit your ability to experience the, the wider reality of the universe. That's my own feeling about it anyway. Yeah. And that translates to me being my own worst enemy, as usual. <laughs> I, I, I need to work on it. <laughs> I think if I came tomorrow and taught you this technique, you would have an experience tomorrow. Right, well, watch out, because I might take you up on that. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much. It's been amazing yeah. having you on, and I hope you'll come on again in the future. Sure, um, yeah. yeah. And uh, I'll, let, I'll let you know when the podcast is out and um and forward you a copy of it so that you can uh, share yeah. it around that's Thanks great a lot. thank you so Love much you. take care see you later
Thank you very much, Russell. That was a really interesting interview, and I hope that we can have Russell back on the podcast later in the year. So don't forget, everybody, if you're going to share your experiences with me and be on the podcast, which is what I would love to do, you need to ring me on my phone and leave a message. And the phone number is 07935 100 162. That's 07935 100 162. And tell me your story. Leave me your experience. If that's not your style, then please record it on a voice note and email it to me at paranormal or what podcast at outlook.com. Now, what's coming up? For me, well, tonight I'm going to be on Andy Decode's live feed on YouTube. So you can tune in and hear me there tonight between 9 and 10 p.m. Be lovely to see you. And on Monday, I'm going to be doing a live roundtable on Facebook with my friends from Pursuit of the Paranormal podcast. So I'm going to be on there with Ash and we'll be joined as usual by Paramike. And very, very exciting news for me is I'm going back to my haunted hotel this week. And I'm so excited because I can't believe it's been a whole year since I was there. And I'm going to be joining the lovely ladies from Twinvestigate. So I'll tell you all about that next week. So until then, have a fabulous week. Hope the sun shines for you all. I'm going to go and relax a bit because it's half term. Hooray, hooray, hooray. Um, We had Alien Day in my class at school yesterday, which was absolutely fantastic. I think we all scared the whole school. So take care of yourselves. Have a, a tot. I'm stuttering again. Have a tot of something hot and spicy. And don't forget to join me next week on Paranormal or What podcast. Take care, everybody. Night. <laughs>